Hi, I'm Bethany Dawson and welcome to My Classic Soul, the podcast dedicated to the best soul and R&B music throughout the decades. We have a very special episode today as our friend and soulmusic.com founder, David Nathan, is joined by none other than the funky divas themselves on Vogue. The group joins us today from their home base in Los Angeles, while David is Skyping in from his home in London. So please forgive us for any strange bloops and bleeps you may hear, the pitfalls of technology. So, without any further ado, let's join David and his guests, Terry Ellis, Cindy Heron and Rona Bennett, the immortal on Vogue. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello again. Hi. Okay, so um just to set 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 the stage so so to speak. So I met Terry and Cindy and then it was Maxine and Dawn back in 1989. Yeah. A long time ago. And <laughs> Rona is Rona, right? Yes, Rona. it is. Thank you. Nice to meet you. It's a pleasure. Yes. What I recall is Denzel and Thomas, my name's right. <laughs> That's right. That's uh, right. Asked me to, um, to actually, I don't know if it's them or somebody, the record company asked me to do your first bio before your, before your first album came out. Wow. To sing. So we do go back. Oh, yeah. Wow. And much has happened in those <laughs> minutes, right? Yes. It's really great to see you all again and to meet you for the first time. And uh, so quite a few questions lined up for our podcast for My Classic Soul today, which is, you know, did you ever have any expectation that you would have 30 years of recording, performing, and so on as en vogue? Did you expect that? That's, you know, I, I guess, a question th- more for Terry and, Terry and Cindy. I don't think that we actually really thought about it. Um, we were just in the moment with it and the record had become so successful and uh, we were just busy trying to keep up with the success of the record. We were on the road 95% of the time and uh, we were just, you know, enjoying ourselves and appreciating the moment. But thank God we're, we're here talking to you 30 years later. <laughs> yes. So, so, so a few things. What do you think it is that has allowed for and Vogue to have a brand and have a, a longevity like this. What is it? So I guess Cindy, uh, so since you just answered that question, Terry, I'm going to ask Cindy to answer sure. that question. I think, uh, pro- you, I think probably the first thing, one of the things that um, allows us to have this brand moving um, these 30 years is the music was just great. You know, we, we, I think that first album, Born to Sing, was really a great album. And it was embraced by um, people worldwide and became sort of the soundtrack to so many lives, you know, <laughs> yes. during that moment in time and became yes. endearing for one thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think another thing is that we had really great videos to go along uh-huh. with the music. I, I think that that played a big role, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I think about um, when I think back to that time period and this is a question I want to ask you, Rana. And Vogue is considered to be a pioneering female group of a particular era in the 50s or 60s in particular, the Supremes and you know, Martin Vandellas and all the different female groups that came out of Motown, as well as 
you know, in the 70s, we have the emotions and just, in other words, they're in the pointer sisters. So we, there are different kind of eras of female groups. And then uh, I don't know that there were that many in the 80s that I can think of. And then comes in vogue at the end of the 80s into the 90s, which sets up for a whole nother group of female groups. That was really badly phrased. <laughs> female it was bad. Yes. Rona, I want to ask you, when you had the opportunity to join in vogue, what was your reaction to joining such a pioneering group? You know, I've been... And I know at- you had already had work, you already... Sorry, I shouldn't... No, go ahead. You were about to answer the question. <laughs> I know that you already had a career, you were already doing things, Jamie Foxx show and so on, so it wasn't... It's how was it for you to be become part of of Envogue? Um, well, you know, I guess at the time I didn't imagine being a part of a group. I always was pursuing a solo yes. career. Yes. Um, so it was more of a surprise, I guess, uh, in the sense <laughs> that it was not something I imagined on my path. And I do feel like I've lived in my vision a lot for my career. Um, but mm-hmm. maybe uh, the visions that I had, they were not attached to a solo career. And so it came through my experience mm-hmm. with uh, Invoke. So it was very unexpected. Um, mm-hmm. But it's been an incredible experience. And I would not have even known that I would be with them uh, as long as I've been with them now. So, yes, uh, a surprise. And, and, <laughs> and, ha- and had you been listening to Invoke's music yourself? Absolutely. I was a fan of the group. Um, and that's what I think is so uncanny about life, right? Like you, you don't anticipate that something like that might take place, but it did. Go figure. Yes. Yeah. At the time, you didn't know you were pioneers, but retrospectively, you can look back and see what came afterwards. TLC, Destiny's Child, and some of the other female groups that were emerging in the early 90s. And so... In terms of be, how how do, how do you feel about being considered pioneers? Does it feel like that's like a heavy a heavy um, a heavy title? <laughs> Which your hmm. Terry? Well, it doesn't feel like a heavy title, but I will say that from my recollection, and I can't remember everyone in this moment, but there were other girl groups. You know, when we were created, Expose, uh, Sweet Sensation, Expose was one of my favorite female groups. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I, I've never felt like, you know, we could genuinely hold that title uh, mm. or that position. Um, uh, I will say that maybe it feels that way because... Um, the structuring of girl groups, I, I do think that m- maybe we pioneered a different uh, concept and idea of what girl groups were. You know, normally the norm, the blueprint had been three girl groups or three members in a group. Um, so we were sort of the first to do four females. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, all of us sang lead. Usually, normally, back then, there was only one mm-hmm. lead singer in a, in a female group. And in our group, everyone sang lead. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, what else, Cindy? Enough. Making a difference, uh, you know, making a difference in the black dresses yeah. and, you know, fashion. just fashion. And, yeah, and, and the messages in our songs. Um, 
Yes. And the harmony. And the harmony. You guys yes, were the signature you. for that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think that, that, that's a really good point because I think that uh, uh, when I think of some of the other female groups that came that you were referencing, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't necessarily, and this is not in any way to, to make any negative comment, but I wouldn't think of Expose as a harmony group, right. so to speak. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so I think that, I think that what, from, my, from what I can, my perception of it is that the, the um, the thing that made you different were those harmony, gospel-related, yeah. soulful harmonies, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that that's really what I think appeal was part of the appeal at even at the very beginning, and uh, because that and, and as you pointed out, just having four lead singers was very unusual. In fact, I can't mm-hmm. think of any other. I can't even think of any male groups who had four lead singers. Hmm. Yeah. So there is something about the whole way that you started out that I think created the foundation for you to be pioneers. Mm-hmm. You were, okay, I'm going to accept were, that now. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. <laughs> uh, yeah, and probably I imagine through all the years of work, you probably haven't stopped to like step back from it to see it that way. Yeah, I was just about to say, I, un- until now, I never really had to um, recite what I, those reasons, you know, for that position mm-hmm. until I just thought about it. Yeah, yeah. And I really do think, I think back when you mentioned about Born to Sing and how that first album really went, people were like wow because i think it was really following a tradition mm-hmm. and it was missing it wasn't really and even when you think about those other female groups even the emotions which obviously because the emotions very much based in you know gospel tradition like real r&b you know the particular kind of harmon- harmonies yeah i think that but i don't know that one would think of the Supremes that way or other groups and that's not taking anything away from them. They just weren't, it wasn't this, it wasn't, it weren't, they weren't those kind of vocal um, harmonies and, and, and the way it was created. Um, is there anything you want to say about that? Uh, I was just going to add yeah. that yeah. Um, just to um, piggyback on what you're saying, cause you just yeah. made me realize it that um, you know, our producers Denzel Foster and Thomas McElroy, they did fuse, you know, with with the harmonies fusing the street funk, with yes the type yes. of harmonies that we had, um, yeah, yeah. Or have so yeah yes. I'm just now thinking about yeah. all this. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> well, I, 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 I think that uh, yeah, good. Well, let me let me ask you a question um, regarding uh, Cindy regarding being the being called Funky Divas, because I know it was. Title of your second album. So, what would you want to say about it, Cindy? About being called funk, about being the funky, about being funky divas. <laughs> it's a great title. Well, that was a brilliant title for an album. You know, um, the reason that 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 title was suggested by Denzel Foster, and it was really because, you know, a diva is usually the leading mm-hmm. lady in a mm-hmm. opera. Uh, or mm-hmm. uh, or a theater yes. performance, mm-hmm. but we all sang lead. You know, we all traded off singing lead, and the music was funky, and and so that's that's where that title "Funky Divas" came from. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because before that album title 
nobody was really referring to themselves as a diva. Like it, right. it almost had sort of a slightly negative connotation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. You know, because of the yeah. ego yes. aspect of being a diva. So, you know, no one would really say, I'm a diva. But boy, after that, everybody was claiming it. I'm a, a diva. Hey, diva. Or I'm a diva. You know, it was like, it sort of, um, it, it, be, it, was, it was became an acceptable, favorable term, you know, yeah. which was cool, too. Um, yeah. I had a problem with it at first because I was like, yeah. like you said, yeah. you know, there was always a negative connotation associated with the word diva. And oh, yeah. um, and so I remember I looked it up in the dictionary and, you know, Cindy uh-huh. just gave you the definition of it. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, OK. But w- w- the defining moment for me was I was in a, a metaphysical bookstore and mm-hmm. uh, a gentleman walked up to me. Mm-hmm. I was looking at some books and um he he was suggesting some books for me to get. And mm-hmm. I was just listening to him. He was very knowledgeable. And he pulled a bookshelf, a book off the bookshelf, and he gave it to me. And I was like, oh, okay. I opened the page. I don't think I ever mentioned this to no, you, but you I opened the book and I saw the word diva. It was spelled D-E-V-A. And as yeah. I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it in? It, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, you, it means yeah, angels. Yeah. It, it means That's angel. Correct. And yeah. and he yeah. called uh-huh. me a diva actually before I even uh-huh. opened the book. Wow. And that was the yeah. defining moment moment for me. And I thought that that's what you know Aww. we're supposed to be. The funky divas. I like that. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I mean, funky angels is good too. Hey. You know? <laughs> right. Well, that's different. Yeah. We may, we may copyright that before someone goes take it. Somewhere. But you know what's funny is that man told me he that man told me he frequented that store all the time, and he said, "Oh, they know me in here." So I, when I went back to the store, I was looking for him, and I asked him, someone at the front desk, and they were like. And I never saw him again. I think he was an angel. Aww. I really do. Wow. I, I think that. I really do. That's an interesting. That's an interesting story. Yeah. <laughs> I bet I know which. What, was it bookstore in Los Angeles? It was the Bodhi Tree. It's no yeah, longer yeah. in existence. When, when but I used to live there. When I lived in LA, I used to go to the Bodhi Tree. Yeah, I lived Not in there. It was like a second home really? for me. Bookstore. Wow. <laughs> So there you go. Funky <laughs> angels. I like that. We're going to take a quick break, but please stay tuned because we will be right back. Ever I saw your face. Now available for pre-order exclusively at soulmusic.com the 50th anniversary edition of First Take, Roberta Flack's 1969 debut album for Atlantic Records. First Take has been remastered and expanded to a two-CD, one-LP box set, featuring the original eight-track album plus 16 bonus tracks. First Take is a beautiful soul-jazz hybrid that includes the number one hit song, The First Time Ever I Saw Your Face, and includes famous jazz luminaries such as Ron Carter, Benny Powell, and Selden Powell as sidemen. Featured in the 1971 Clint Eastwood movie Play Misty For Me, the popularity of The First Time Ever I Saw Your Face helped drive her debut album to number one on both the Billboard album chart and the R&B album chart. Newly remastered and expanded, this deluxe 50th anniversary edition includes 16 bonus tracks, 12 of which are previously unreleased, totaling nearly an hour of never-before-heard Roberta Flack music. 
Also included in this deluxe set is the original vinyl album, newly remastered and pressed on 140-gram vinyl. It's accompanied with a detailed essay by noted soul historian David Nathan, all beautifully packaged in the 12x12 hardback book. Roberta Flack's first take, the 50th anniversary edition, is now available for pre-order exclusively at soulmusic.com. Welcome back. We're talking with David Nathan, who is joined by the funky divas themselves on Vogue. When you think about your uh, personal musical influences growing up, who who did who did you listen to? Who were who were uh, uh, singers that shaped your thinking about singing? I mean, yeah, who were some of your favorites as you as you were growing up? Uh, for me, uh, um, this is Rona. Yeah, I. Probably, of course, um, a lot of what my parents were listening to on vinyl. One of my favorite, my mom's favorite groups was the Gap Band. <laughs> so I heard a lot oh, of Charlie yeah. Wilson <laughs> in my house. Uh, Marvin Gaye was a huge, huge favorite. My mom's favorite female singer is uh, Gladys Knight. Mm. So heard a lot of Gladys Knight. Um, but for me also, uh, of course, um, Whitney Houston was like a major childhood um, mm inspiration if you will I absolutely adore the group DeBarge everybody knows this so I was hugely influenced by their melodies and harmony Mm -hmm. like that was so Mm. special to me Um, definitely shaped how I looked at music Luther Vandross hands down Mm -hmm. favorite Anita Baker hands down like R&B favorite classic so you know I mean I could really go on (laughs) <laughs> you know, I didn't discriminate, you know, too. I used to listen to classical yeah. music. I was trained yes. uh, classically for some time to to um, mm. give me vocal agility mm-hmm. and strength and preservation. Mm. Um, I love jazz, but, you know, that has grown since a kid. But I also was a mouseketeer, so they were very eclectic in their blend of music that we used to perform on the show. So I did from yeah. light rock to rock to this to that, you know, whatever. <laughs> Lots of wow. influence when it comes to music. Yes. Um, I'm going to ditto everything she said, except <laughs> I wasn't a mouseketeer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were in spirit. <laughs> I love them, um, uh, but I'm going to add, um, because when I first started, before actually before I started singing, my sister um, was a singer, and she was a mm. major influence for me. And so I would just listen to her. I remember many days I'd just be sitting on the couch, and she'd be sweeping or cleaning up, and there was always vinyl going on in the house. I mean, every thing. Um, but I remember, I, for some reason, I gravitated to Peebo Bryson. Oh. Really? I just I did. And I remember trying to emulate him and trying to sing like him. Um, But I actually hadn't started singing yet. And then um, once I started singing, when my sister, I didn't know I could sing. My sister was like, oh, you can sing. Long story short. (laughs) So from there, I started practicing every day. And um, she would put on records and, and tell me to, you know, to because I hadn't had voice lessons. So I would just try and listen to how they were executing a vocal or a, a sound, uh, uh, mm-hmm. a, 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 um, lyrics, lines, singing period. And I would just try and mimic that. And um, mm-hmm. 
Natalie Cole became just that poster girl for me, um, yeah. along with, I'm going to add Stephanie Mills. Um, uh, she was Whitney Houston. Um, uh, Shaka Khan. Uh, mm. Just, we always say the real funky divas, you know. Um, so all of them. <laughs> okay. So that... Yes. Everything Rona said and, and the few that I just added. And just and added, yeah. like Rona, I listened to a lot of male groups because mm-hmm. once I really got going, all I did was sing in the band. That's all I did. So I was either the only girl in the band or just really? in the band. Yeah, that was yeah, my life yeah. became the band. And um, that was 24-7 for me. Then the gospel choir, then the concert choir, then the classic classical choir, um, all I did was sing. I was just singing. Weekends, <laughs> I was singing, just singing. <laughs> All right. It, it's kind of interesting when you mention about Peebo Bryson, because I, because I, 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 would, I mean, I remember when he, his music first came out. And, um, um, you know, I, I, as soon as you said that, I, I thought of some songs from, from actually, what was his second album, like uh, Reaching for the Sky and oh, Feel the Fire. Oh, my God. That was and, the one. Yeah. Which one? Through the fire? Reaching, reaching for the sky. Oh, reaching for Just, the sky. Oh, okay. my gosh. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So, all right. So, we've heard from Rona. We've heard from Terry. Now, Cindy, who did you listen to growing up? A lot of the, the vocalists, the artists that they mentioned, Gladys Knight, um, yes. Patti LaBelle, um, Shaka Khan, um, Natalie Cole, um, uh, the emotions, Pointer Sisters, and my very first first influence was the Jackson Five. Mm-hmm. That really? Michael Jackson was what made me know I wanted to sing. <laughs> wow, that was my biggest first influence. Interesting, interesting. Was your particular song? All of them, everything, anything that he okay. sang, anything that we could get our hands on. I had a a sister, um, older sister, who also sang and is a singer and. Um, that was like our first m- records that we owned. Um, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the biggest influence, you know, having yes. Um, um, really, they were they were kids, you know. Yeah. yeah. In yeah. the in in the industry, and it just you know, at, for me at that time, th- there was nobody else. Later, though, actually, the Osmond brothers, they they okay. I loved them I too. Like them too. <laughs> I did. Actually, they were they were, they were, they were, they were good. <laughs> uh, but initially, it was the Jackson Five and okay. Michael Jackson that just really, really made yes. me know I wanted to sing. Well, you know, it's interesting. I've heard all three of you speak about your influences. There's one person none of you mentioned, but it, why it's particularly interesting is because this person had a record that you covered. Now Aretha Aretha Franklin. That's right. Yes, no, no. We just forgot to mention her. I know, right? Yeah, that's almost like a given. (laughs) Yeah, that's it's yeah, she's just a given. We yeah, we we probably didn't want to cliche or something, because yeah, yeah, we normally mention an original funky. Yeah, I heard Patty LaBelle, I heard Night, I heard a few people I didn't like the barge, which is great. And there's many more too. Yeah, yeah. We, we just can't think of all of them, but we normally well, actually, mention Aretha. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you because that just kind of came up naturally in the conversation. You know, um, you know, most people, as we know, have not would not attempt ever to cover 
an existent Aretha Franklin classic. And I know it was something, giving him something you can feel, was originally from Sparkle. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, the, the, the film which she, which she, for which she did, not in the film, but it was music right. from the film, uh, produced by Curtis Mayfield. Whose idea was it to do it? Uh, producers Denzel Foster and Thomas McElroy. And what was your reaction to that? Uh, we were excited. Yeah, we were like, yeah, okay. yeah, let's do it, let's do it. Now, I will say this. Um, Whitney and Aretha, you you don't just cover their songs. You just right. don't. Um, un, un, unless you are really hell-bent on keeping the integrity of it. So that was mm. really, really, really important for us. Um, we knew yes. that... If we were going to tackle it, it had to be right. And if it wasn't going to be right, we just probably just wouldn't have put it out. Just leave it alone. Yeah. 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 Um, but the other thing for us, too, was because of where that song came from and what it meant to us as a culture, uh, it was important for us to deliver it in that mm-hmm. way. And so when we were in the studio recording it, we were watching the video, that particular mm-hmm. part um, uh, of the girls performing it. In the in the video when in they the were film, in the nightclub yeah. singing it, yeah, and um and it, so we just we wanted to capture the essence of of what that song was about and, and what it meant um and uh, the delivery as well. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, good. Okay, <laughs> we got Aretha in there. Yay! <laughs> um, uh, a few things I want to ask you in particular. You talked about the longevity of En Vogue, and I know while you've been with the group, Mona, you've had the opportunity to tour internationally. And I think that uh, I want to ask you, uh, how were you su- first surprised initially, Terry and Cindy, about the response to En Vogue internationally? And also, now, Ronnie, you want to may, may add something about this, about uh, what it's like, what it's been like for you performing for an international audience? Because I do think that one of the things that I think, the one thing that's contributed to your longevity is that you have an international audience. It was incredible. Um, first of all, it being our first time going overseas. But I got to mm-hmm. tell you a funny story before I really get to the music part of it. Um, mm. The song had absolutely blown up overseas. We, we were overseas so much, we almost lived there. Um, wow. But our first visit, we <laughs> we were going to do press, and we, we were going to be performing later, but but mainly to go over to seas and do press. And our first day when we got to Europe, we I think our first stop was London, and we were so excited to be in London, and we had literally about it was less than an hour before we had to do our first interview at the uh, label. And we were running around like cockroaches trying to find stores to go shopping. We were just, we were like little kids, like, oh, my God, look at that, look at that. And Mrs. Miss Selfridge's was our favorite yes, store. And we went in there, and we were just in there lollygagging and trying to close. We were almost late for our interview, and we just we just fell in love with Europe after that. Um, our, our first actual performance was at a radio convention in Pristatin, I think. yes. Um, that was our first mm-hmm. performance, and it, yeah. it was really um, it was really cool to perform um, there and to yeah. and to just just to see that people knew our our song. They knew our it was our first single, but that it was mm. it was 
known and and um, out of the country. Yeah, and <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it, it was really um, it was really thrilling. Yes, and I'd like yes. to add too. One of the other things we realized too is is that the European market has a, a whole different level of appreciation for American music. Yes, especially R and B music. You guys know our music pretty much better than we do. I mean, it's just it's it's a just a different level of appreciation, and we mm. we are always um, grateful for that because. Um, you know, when we're over there, the audiences or they treat us like we're Michael Jackson. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I gotcha. In terms of popularity and response. Yes. Yeah. Yes, gotcha. And receiving the music. Yes. Well, Ron, let me ask you, because since obviously since you've been uh, a part of Invoke, I assume you've been to places you hadn't been to prior to that. Am I correct? Yeah, I've been to a few places with them that I hadn't been. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and how, how, how has it been for you touring internationally? It's been fantastic. I echo uh, their sentiments in saying that uh, we always kind of are in gratitude and awe sometimes mm-hmm. of the level of appreciation that they show and energy that they give when we perform. It's always so off the charts. There's just, <laughs> yeah, like they really love the music and they've really embraced the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter mm-hmm. our configuration, um, they embrace it. And I think that's special too. That's a really good point. That's a really good point because, you know, there are some groups that don't sustain because it's about the individual rather than the brand. That's a really valid point. You know, there's something about um, European or international audiences. They, uh, they're not always as focused on the personalities. It's mm-hmm. more about the music and, yeah. The, yeah. And, and you said the brand and the sound. Yeah. Uh, that, wow. That's very valid point there. Yay. <laughs> cool, man. Yay for international. And then, you know, that kind of leads me to a question uh, for each of you. If you had to define the Envogue sound in a few words, what would you say it is? So let's start with Cindy. I would say classy, soulful, funky harmonies. All right. I would say um, enchanting, uh, funky, and soulful. Okay. And Rona? Oh, gosh. They did good. Am I, am I saying, is it Rona or Rona? It's Rona. Yeah, you have it perfect. Okay, I want to make sure I'm saying it right. <laughs> Mine isn't going to yeah. sound as exciting, but I'm going to say well-rounded, <laughs> um, powerful, and demure. Because they have like, you, you know, demure? yeah, they All have right. the ability to caress vocals as well as to deliver. The, you know, you've got free your mind and giving him something he can feel on the same group. You know, you have yeah, yeah, they have a yeah. range um, mm-hmm. of ability to deliver. Um, do you think that it's it's more challenging uh, to be three or four females working together? Or is it easier as opposed to guys or just point being that and, and then there aren't as many female groups that I think have stayed together, which probably also mean also is a tribute to you. Um, and even when we were talking about the female groups of the 80s and 90s, a lot of them are not around anymore. So what do you what, what are some of the challenges? Let me rephrase it. 
what are some of the challenges of being a female group and working together? I think just first, first of all, um, once, once you put your product out there and you have to get out and you have to promote it and do shows and have rehearsals and all that stuff and maybe live more of your life on the road, that can be tough. You know, it, it, it's a rigorous life you know, um, yes. for, for females sometimes. Yeah. Um, and then you throw into that mix your hormones, <laughs> you know, like everybody's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just that will right there just makes you, you know, just, just depending on who you are. But like, I know for me, like <laughs> that just makes you want to just, you know, have an evil day or, um, <laughs> 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 you know, that may just, you know, that with the rigors of just road life makes you, you could just be evil <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and, and emotional and, um, you know, so that's, that, that's one thing that guys don't have to deal with, well, you know, maybe your maternal instinct yeah. as well. And then a woman, you know, possibly some women end up have, having that maternal instinct, you know, and feeling like uh -huh. my, my, my biological time clock is ticking away, you know, <laughs> do I want to have, have a baby? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and then wanting to yeah, be yeah. with the, that yeah. baby. Or, or, you know, falling in love and wanting to be with that person or, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, it just probably, you know, I, I think women, those are, you know, extra things. And then like for me getting married and having kids, you know, that also is a big, you know, different that, that makes, you know, made it for me that I had to, I, I couldn't just live my whole life on the road. I had to create a really delicate balance. Um, yes. So, you know, I, I think some so of those. So there are some specific, yeah, there's some spe that's why, that's kind of what was behind my questions. Yeah. Like, I know that it's just not the same. It is not the same. No. And you kind of articulated it really well. That is, there are things about female groups of, well, yeah, about women that make it different for what in your working environment and, 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 and other pressures, I think, you know, just even like, you know, just, um, um, you know, just de dealing with, be with being women on the road is not the same as it is for men. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much more that goes into it, you know, for women too. Like, it's not like, like guys, you just, I don't know. They just, Throw on some whatever and, I gonna and get out on the stage. They get like, away with that, you know. But for women, you got to, you, you know, when we had to, you, we have to start hair and makeup hours <laughs> before we have to even be camera ready. There's wardrobe, fittings, and working out. You if know, you're concerned about your you know, appearance, working out. But stage. but just like general, just you know, we'd have to be camera. We'd have to start hair and makeup hours before we could even be camera ready. It's just, a, you know, for guys, it just didn't take that long, you know, but for us, it's a ch huge chunk of time just to be presentable, yeah. you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, it's it, so it, it's just much, it was more time consuming and it just, it, so much more goes into it, I think, for, you know, yeah, I get, I get that. Actually, it's really, I, I really appreciate you articulating it that way because I have, I, even though, you know, I've been around, obviously, many male, female groups, single performers and so on, you know, through the years, I never stop to think about um, that difference. You're right. It, it is true. I mean, you know, I, wow. Yeah, okay. male groups, they only have to, you know, I think up there the most that they're concerned <laughs> about is, hey, man, I need to get a shape up and uh, I need the, my, my tennis <laughs> shoes need to be white. And that's right. it. 
they can come with they some sunglasses come. and a big right. overcoat. It doesn't yeah, matter. It doesn't matter. And the girls are screaming yeah. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Tara, you think you want to add to what Cindy said or what Rona's saying about that? Yeah, I just did the, I just want to get a shape up and, and I need yeah, some, new white, some new white kicks. That's it. You know, guys don't have um, the stressors uh, yeah. that women have to think about that makes them tired or makes them, yeah. you know, have to, to stretch. Um, they just coast. They can just coast, you know, and, and it's just, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was I was going to piggyback what Terry's saying. I think it's very yeah, yeah. interesting to witness how uh, <laughs> men's demeanor is about the the music industry as opposed to women. Um, even just the level of acceptance. When men get older, they're distinguished gentlemen. Uh, when women this get older, true. okay, so yeah. it's not the same coining. It's like right. she's older, she's yeah. becoming more she's of a maiden. Old, yeah, she's an old hag. Right. She's, she's, she's an old... <laughs> not the same level yeah. of acceptance. So men are allowed to get older, become more distinguished. It's like a, I don't know. And it's like, like, like kind of like a rite of passage for them and right? they're still accepted. Yeah. Um, and they still get paid yeah, but, a you lot know, more. And, and their pay is higher. <laughs> they, they do. Right. It's true. Right. So. Um, wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Well, well you know, you, you, what, it, what, what it also, um, by what you just articulated, also really validates, mm. validates that you have been able to survive through all these decades uh, at as a brand, obviously, I know there are different member member changes and so on. But the fact that there is a brand that alone, with all that you just talked about, is is quite something. I mean, really. I mean, so so really, that's like an acknowledgement for um, uh, that what you just articulated. Just also is an acknowledgement the fact that you've hung in there with all of that going on. And and I, I and I do think that I just think that there's a Again, as you said, like the kind of whole physical thing of being, you know, you got to show up. It isn't just like show up any old, any old how. You got to show <laughs> up in a particular way. You know, you kind of think of a certain kind of style of mm -hmm. a style, like being stylish. Right. And so I can see that. Um, so I, so I really acknowledge you all for for hanging in there like that for <laughs> as long as you have and continuing to do so. Um, uh, whereas again, we can think, I can't think of that many male equivalent groups from the time that you started, like 1989, 1990, that are still around. I mean, oh, yeah. we have to really start there's a, think about There's a few of them. A um, few. There's Boys to Men, there's yeah. Uh, BBD. Um, yeah. Well, with the researchers, a lot of groups are back, even yeah. female groups, yeah. actually, right now. Right, right? now. Like, yeah. yeah. That yeah, 90s which resurgence. brings us to right now. That's good. That was a good jump. <laughs> jump point right hey. So right now, <laughs> um, so two two primary questions. Uh, I, do you have any uh, recording plans right now? We hope nothing nothing absolutely definite, but um, because things are still in development. But we hope to be able to release at least a couple of singles yes. by the fall of this year. Okay. Just to sort of commemorate and just we're in, in as a part of the celebration of our, our 30th year. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Well, let's talk a little bit before we get to what you're about to do, what you've been doing. So this year, so we're in 2020, 
Uh, so have you been doing many, have you, have you done many shows this year so far? Wow. Yeah, we have. Well, yeah. yeah, we have. We've done many shows, um, many, many shows. We we are actually, um, we pretty much work every week. At wow. least, at least uh, three days out of the week, every week. That's a lot. Am I saying that right? <laughs> I mean, I for so. a yeah. performing group, that's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. It, it It is a lot. It's definitely um, been a blessing. <laughs> and in terms of... Um, What's on the on on your uh, schedule for touring for the rest of this year and beyond? What what's on what's on your date sheet, R- Rona? What's on the date sheet? <laughs> you would ask me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, just a lot more of the same. We do a lot of uh, spot gigging, but uh, definitely uh, looking to create something special as far as touring is concerned for the thirtieth. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. be on the lookout for that. Yeah. Yeah, we're okay. actually in the process um, as well of uh, having our own podcast. Yay! So we're really excited about that. I know there was some cons- some talk of a reunion of all the members of En Vogue. I know, in fact, I even felt, saw a photograph of five five of you together. <laughs> and then there was this kind of thought that maybe there would be a like ongoing performing touring schedule of all of you when we tour it's the three of us and uh, although it would be nice to have our our two former members be some part of the celebration of the 30th it's not likely to happen at this point they have declined to come along and and uh play and party and play yeah (laughs) they don't want to play all right all right um and you know Obviously, we know that Invoke started as a quartet, and now it's a trio, and has been a trio at different times. So, has that meant you've had to adjust a lot of the of the different um, vocal parts, and, the, and and even like reconstruct, reconstruct, deconstruct, reconstruct? Yes, we have definitely had to make some vocal adjustments. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, so <laughs> that the, the we can make so that we can get as close to the the sound of a quartet as as possible with the three of us. You know. Yes, yes, definitely. Okay. And um, I'm going to ask you a difficult question. Not really difficult. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Terry, what's your favorite and Vogue song? What's the one song that you have to, have to, have to perform, but that you really love every time you do it? What's the one? Is there one? <laughs> there is more than one, but I... I gravitate more to my love and you're never going to get it. And I, I think because I, I just associate it with um, it being the first single from our sophomore album, which really just sealed the deal for us. And so I, I sort of always go back to that. And then we had a great video and, you yeah. know, it, it was just our career was just, you know, signed, sealed solid. and delivered at that solid. point. Yeah. It was solid. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I yeah. get that. Yeah, all right, good. All right, Cindy, you have a, a I am going a particular to say, track. I like I I really do love them all too. Um there's um so I will say right now, I'll say free your mind um because it had it's a great me- it's it's you know the 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 message is still very relevant today and it's kind of become yeah. like an anthem um in our shows. This is this is when like everybody just sings along and um and it's just a great song. Great song to perform. Um, 
and, and the video, um, when you think of the video, it was just so timeless, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my favorites. All right. Okay. And Rona, what's your En Vogue favorite? I, ha- I like a lot of them as well, but we're all going to pick something different today, which is kind of <laughs> cool, right? Hold yes, on. Yes, it is. Uh, really? I, yeah, I'm going to the classic. I'm going to the the one that blazed the trail out the gate that <laughs> every time usually people are on their feet uh, singing along to every lyric. Um, there's just something about that song that uh, whatever's happening, if you turn it on, it's, <laughs> it's a party, man. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Hold On. Well, that's a perfect way to conclude our conversation because we can say that En Vogue has definitely held on. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's right. We've been holding on. Been been on. Long, and it's still holding on. Yes. That's right. Wow, that was pretty good. All right. Uh, but just as Rona was saying, uh, just a heartfelt thank you to everyone that has supported our music all of these mm. years. Yes. And, and just continue to rock out with us and... Um, and uh, thank you for everybody who's are, are also celebrating our 30th year of, of In Vogue being in the, wow. in the industry. <laughs> I, can't, I kind of can't quite get my head around that. You know, I, I can't know. either. The time, <laughs> it I just mean, really flew by. It, it really did. Yeah. Okay. I, anything else that we, Terry, anything else that we didn't cover that you want to say before we wrap it up, as they say? Um, we are going to be releasing um, a remix um, CD of Born to Sing. Yes. So a lot of those hits, all those hits are going to be released in April and uh, with a very Excellent. nice little remix <laughs> on everything. Excellent. Yeah. And, 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 and that will be, so the remixes are by different uh, remix producers? Yes, all right. Yeah. Oh, great. No, I think that we've pretty much covered, covered it. it We're just looking, yeah, looking forward yeah. to having a really special year. And just thanks again for everybody who supported this brand throughout every configuration and who continues yes. to buy the music, support the music, and send positive energy our way. Yes, and especially. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And especially to our European market. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just for you know, hanging in there with us for so long and and all the requests we get to come overseas, we just, we really appreciate it. Yep. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was great talking to you. <laughs> it's been our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. And I, I do want to say one thing, that it won't be a physical CD that will be out, the, the no, remix digital. album. And yeah. it, yes, it'll be a digital streaming album. Well, hey. That's, yeah. I mean, I, very I, I 2020. Just, I, I got my Spotify on here. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <Yeah. laughs> thanks, David. And a very special thanks to his guests, Terry Ellis, Cindy Heron, and Rona Burnett. The amazing on Vogue. You can stream their 30th anniversary edition of Born to Sing on all streaming platforms now. And please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favourite podcast platform and visit us for breaking news and daily updates about your favourite soul and R&B artists on songmusic.com. I'm Bethany Dawson, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time on My Classic Soul.